You know what we can start with? We can start with uh, now that we've re restarted this. Uh-huh. I was thinking about this because I I hate everything about the way that I talk. Mm-hmm. And it hit me the other day. You know how I speak? I speak in a way where I, like I show my work. Anything about math problem where it's not good enough just to write the answer. You have to show every step that got you to the answer. Uh huh. That's how I talk. Okay. I talk in a way where I can't just say my point. Mm-hmm. I have to walk you through how I've gotten there. That's kind of the point of a podcast, though. No, but I mean, I in the way that I try to explain things, because I listen to podcasts, and there are podcasts where people just say what they want to say, what they mean. Mm-hmm. And when I talk like this, mm-hmm. I feel like I do in a way that's very frustrating to me. <laughs> in that I okay. can't just <laughs> say the point. I have to, well, this is what I was thinking here, and then this is what, or I'll set up what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Instead of just saying the stupid thing. Okay. So that's one thing that I'm committing to right now. All right. Watch somebody change their psychology live. On the fly. On the fly. And just as I force myself to stop showing my work and just saying what I want to say and not being annoying about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, one thing... um I also want to say, I did randomly... Don't ask me why or how, but an episode of the podcast appeared on my feed. I guess since you, since we've restarted. An old episode? An old episode. Uh And I just happened to (laughs) click on it only to hear me say that Mary Shelley wrote Ozymandias. (laughs) Not not Byron Shelley. (laughs) I don't even remember that. Who would? I'm a moron. Okay, well... And we're talking about episode three of Severance. And what I was going to do, or maybe this was a thought I had after the episode was over, but going back and listening, and something we've kind of always done whenever we've talked about a TV show. You listen back to these? I have to. I edit it. Who else? What else? What do you think? Have I'm just you gonna, edited before? Sometimes. <laughs> I thought you stopped. What editing. I what I do now is I record, uh-huh. and then I just upload the recording, right. and then I go back and listen to make sure there's nothing wrong with it. And then if something's wrong, I'll go and fix it and then re-upload. Make sure no misogyny sl- slipped in. No, I mean like technical stuff, <laughs> like a <laughs> some kind of weird noise or something. Okay. Uh, but what I was thinking, what we've always kind of done is just start talking about the episode. But what every other TV podcast seems to do and what makes sense is they like recap the episode. Who cares? You know what I mean, though? You've seen it. I've seen it. We've seen it. But my problem is re- I don't remember things. Mm-hmm. So I feel like. If we're going down some sort of a breakdown of the episode, then it'll be like, oh, yeah, I wanted to say that instead of just sitting here and be like, "Uh uh-huh, yep, yeah, uh uh-huh. So, really, this is about you. You don't need to frame this as some kind of... I mean, we just spent four minutes talking about how you don't talk right. (laughs) (laughs) 
But when you say it like that, <laughs> I do talk right. Okay, so are we going to do a a recap and then fill in well, with our points? That was or? the thing. I thought about it after the episode was over. I was thinking maybe while this is going on, I should be like just making bullet points of like if something big happens, right? And maybe if I don't even have anything to say about it, you just say, okay, this happens, and then you keep moving. But I didn't do that. Okay. So, <laughs> well, something that I've done, maybe for the next episode, talk about showing my work is I will watch these multiple times. So, okay. It's all right here. All right. You just got to extract it from my brain. Well, let's I hear think. it then. So where does it start? Is that where we're starting? I guess so. What's the first thing you want to talk about then if we're not going with where did it start? Well, now that you've presented this new structure of mm -hmm. following the, the I the can show, read the summary from Wikipedia. It it opens with him and Petey still, right? Because in the last episode, he brought Petey back home. Or is that at the very beginning of this episode? Where at the last him? episode is when he's in the bathroom and he like passes out or something, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it picks back up. They're in the basement and right. he's having a conversation with Petey who then starts hallucinating and mm -hmm. flipping back and forth inside the right. company, Lumon, and mm -hmm. outside. Okay. Look at that. Great. That is, yeah. <laughs> well, this is your idea. Did I do it? Yeah, you did it. All okay. right. All right. Next Great. next thing that happens. Oh, Nothing to say wait. about that. Next thing uh, that happens in. No. Okay. So, uh, okay. Well, here's here's my idea. Um, my idea was to talk about the theme of the episode up top. Okay. So, to me, the theme of this episode was all about where do you find the meaning for your work? Mm -hmm. You know, with them going to the perpetuity wing mm -hmm. and with Healy not being able to find a meaningful purpose there um, that you have, I can't forget, the, the other co-worker who I love, he's doing a great job, just can't remember his name. Isn't it, is it like, it's either Zach or his real name is Zach. Right. He does it for the incentives. Mm -hmm. He's always talking about he's getting the waffle party. You're talking about the bat guy, right? <laughs> That's the kind of stuff you need to edit out. <laughs> That's who you're yeah. talking about there, right? Yeah. Okay. And um, he does it for the incentives, whereas... He seems to love it. Well, he seems to have accepted it, mm. right? And he's accepted, and his means of acceptance is... By focusing on the rewards, all of his finger traps, mm -hmm. pencils, and waffle parties. That that is how he finds meaning in what he's doing. And then you have John Turturro, who finds meaning in a deeper identification with the previous presence of the company and the overall mission of the company, which even if he doesn't understand what that mission is, he can believe in the people mm -hmm. um, leading it. And I think that's where you see Healy, who lacks that purpose, therefore can't assimilate well. And you have Mark, uh, Adam Scott's character, who you know seems to have one, but it's not something that's sustainable, right? His means of finding value in the work is running from grief, running from his real life. He's just trying to 
avoid the realities of his real life and his work. And that is something that is not sustainable. It, it won't sustain. So mm-hmm. that was kind of thematically what I saw in this episode. And I don't know that every episode had such a strong theme, but definitely after watching this one, I was like, oh, this is almost exclusively about how do you find meaning in your work? All right. After the basement. Okay. Do you, well, do- I mean, is that it then? How do you find meaning in your work then? Right? I mean... That's the question. Yeah. So, no one's going to listen to this, right? No. My my meaning is... So, number one, I definitely have a transactional relationship with my job. Right. So, so you're going to relate more to... I'm going to relate more to um, Zach. Probably... No. See, again, I think probably more like Mark or Adam. Mm-hmm. Although I don't want to say that because I hope that mine is more sustainable. Right now, I do love my job. Mm -hmm. I work in higher education. I think providing a service to people that's tangible, so that helps me. I don't feel like I am just kind of, you know, peddling in something that I don't believe in. So I, I, I do find value in my work. I don't use the word meaning. I definitely Mm -hmm. find value in my work, but my relationship to my job is also very transactional. If this job was not able to, you know, sustain my life of me and my son, Mm -hmm. then I wouldn't work it. You know what I mean? There is, there's nothing tying me to it beyond I am giving you a service. (laughs) The money. And you are, (laughs) you're returning that with enough for me to live, to live on. Right. Um, But yeah, what about you? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably falling the same category. I I am fortunate enough to, I guess I like what I do, but I, I mean, I, a long time ago have sort of accepted the idea that I'm just a peon, right? I have in the universe. In the workforce. Okay. That's my role in the workforce. I'm a very king. hard worker. You're king in the universe, I have though. no ambitions mm-hmm. to do anything but work for to have I, I have no you. ambitions right. except to have somebody tell me what to do and then for me to do it really well and then to them to be like, Hey, you did a good job on Here's that. some money. That's it. That's all yeah. I need, right? <laughs> so I don't want I don't have any ambitions to be like the guy who's telling people they're doing a great job or yeah. gets to tell other people what to do. Um and then I'm also fortunate enough to have gotten a job with this company that's like I am very much on the side of your job is not your family it is 100% transactional, like you've said. But the company I work for is small enough and they treat their employees well enough that I very often feel myself crossing that line a little bit of being like, they do really care about me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's I mean, I, I'm kind of, I guess I would be more of a Zach. Yeah. Like again, he's, he's hard to relate to because he's a, 
extreme example. Right. right? He, he's not but, really there to be related to. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, my theory, my, my hot take work theory is that I think it's okay to have a transactional Absolutely. relationship with That's your job. what it should be. Right. And, and a lot of people, you know, when you're raised, you're told like, love what you do and you'll won't care about doing it for the rest of your life. I don't know yeah. whatever that mm-hmm. phrase is. Right. So love, love your work and you'll never work, work a, day a day in, in your life. life. There you go. You know, like all to me, that's all baloney. Mm-hmm. You know, it's totally, like, it's like your job. You should look at it as, as what is the value that your job is bringing to your life period. Right. And if it's not bringing value to your life monetarily to sustain the lifestyle that you want, or it's not bringing you value in your life mentally because you're working for people who are horrible, then that is a unhealthy, you know, work situation in your life. You need to look to adjust it. Whereas I think some people have the idea that, no, it's on me. I just need to work harder or, you know, again, like let me be part of this crappy system because one day I'll be on top of the crappy system, you know? And that's such a horrible way. As you get ground in the gears of that system, no one's going to care if you don't make it to the top. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's going to f- uh, flame out. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially, too, in 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 what are, in our, in America and the American culture, work culture, your purpose is to, it's not to give back to the community. It's not, your ultimate goal is to, fill the pockets of whoever hired you or whatever you know what I mean so I mean I could I I get that in like different countries um where workers have like a higher stake in the company they're working for and like a bigger say and all that but not really not it's not really the deal in America agree um yeah so the one thing I guess I did want to say about the basement scene that really stood out is you know flashy camera work but it really worked for me i love the way that ben stiller intercut his flashbacks flashbacks Mm -hmm. and the the pace of them how quick they were yeah it really was disorienting Mm -hmm. and visually you know engaging and interesting yeah it was great i thought it was fantastic Mm mm-hmm for sure, yeah, I like that a lot. Um, ben Stiller, good director, right? You know, building on what we said, Walter before, Smitty aside, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say that in a perfect world, this is how it should be. Mm-hmm. That if you are the child of rich parents, especially related to the arts. Mm-hmm. The minimum you should have is some artistic ability that right. you've, is like you've an, developed. At least an eye to at capture least, something. At least an eye. You should <laughs> yeah. at least know how to point a yeah. camera in the right direction <laughs> That's true, and yeah. make it look interesting. You know, they, I remember growing up being like, all these artists, like especially once you make it, it's like now you have access to any book you want to read. Mm-hmm. And you could just be like, I'm going to take a year-long vacation because – my last movie was it and develop whatever I want to think about. And then mm. what you get at the back end of a hiatus sometimes is like 
here's my Bratz doll movie or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. here's, here's this, again, I haven't seen it, um, obviously, but you know, you just hear like, uh, what, what, what's her name? Who did Little Women and Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig, uh-huh. who's married to Noah Baumbach, okay. dating Noah Baumbach, something like that, that she makes Lady Bird, which I think is really good. She makes mm-hmm. Little Women, which I loved. Is that based on the book? Of course. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't even I, sure if there was right. a book called Little Women as I was asking that, but I was pretty sure. A, yeah, it's such a. I feel like that's like me saying like she's making a movie. But called, okay, but then at the same time, it's like, well, of course you liked Little Women. It's like a classic. Well, it's like if I said she's making a movie called The Bible, and you're like, is that based on the book, The Bible? It's like, right. But my other- point is like she's making a movie about a story that's been told for hundreds of years. Like it's the, like I feel like it's going to be harder to make that bad than it would be to make it good you'd be surprised i've seen sure but she makes that which i think is really good okay comes out that she's making the barbie movie (laughs) (laughs) exactly and there's just a there's just a a piece of me that just initially says like you've you've moved from like success to success you maybe have a little more freedom because they both have been hits to like let me let me get my creative vision out there again. And like you announce, I'm making the Barbie movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, listen, maybe but, I'm more optimistic about that stuff. Maybe it'll be good. But uh, but the but the saying, though, is like she makes the Barbie movie so then she can go make another Lady Bird. Right. I don't know. I feel like if you're married to Noah Baumbach or that's whatever. All, that I mean, that's have. always the thing, though, that they, at least they say in Hollywood where it's right. like you the make, trade-off. you make, you know, Adam Sandler makes eight shitty Netflix movies so he can then go make Uncut Gems or whatever, even though none of that is financed by Adam Sandler. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like Adam Sandler, listen, I love Adam Sandler. There's plenty of examples. <laughs> I just couldn't think of yeah, one. Okay. <laughs> but all that to say, I got off track. I'm showing my work. Um, all that to say that, yeah, I feel like that's baseline. Um, if somebody had an upbringing <laughs> where their parents weren't able to finance their right. free, their, their free yeah. time, maybe I'd be like, yeah, that wasn't the best visually and and give them a pass. Right. But Ben Stiller better knock it out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Better show me something. Okay. So, yeah, that was, that, that was great. Um, okay. Yeah, what, so what, they're what in next? the basement and then... Adam Scott goes to work. Well, Adam Scott says that he's not going to. Um, Adam Scott is adamantly not sever, not unsevering or whatever they call it. What do they, they call integrating? Integrating. He, he's not integrating, and he comes out with it and says basically like my wife died, mm-hmm. and it helps me to go to work, mm-hmm. which is something that I've experienced too. Where if you face a personal tragedy or tough time sometimes work can be a distraction or a reason to kind of keep going yeah which maybe i will regret this or come around to a different perspective i think that that could also be a valid short-term use of work i definitely don't think long term that that is going to be healthy right but i definitely have used work as a motivation for me to 
do some things where normally I would have rather just laid in my bed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, there's definitely, like, when my dad died, in the, like, immediate short term, I spent days going through pictures, scanning pictures, uploading pictures, importing movie footage, and then making a short little thing that was just, and it's all like, you're just sort of like, just trying to work through stuff, Mm -hmm. right? But I think the point of the show, I mean, I guess they haven't talked about it yet explicitly, but like, the impression I get is that his wife died a long time ago. (laughs) This isn't like a like a relatively recent thing, right? Or do you have a different impression? I feel like they did lay out the timeline. Oh, really? He was talking to his sister. Um, and he says how long he's been at the company. Okay. Remember when they're rolling the ball back and forth? Yes. Episode two. <laughs> episode two, they play that game where uh-huh. they have to tell one fact oh, about okay. themselves yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're rolling the ball back and but forth. It, and then he says something like, I two told years. a lie or something. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's and, like, and, two and years is a long time. And he says, yeah, I love this game. And, and oh, I got I got his name this time. Um, and Milchick says, you can't say that. You said that last time. But, yeah. I think Milchick says, is the black guy? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um because I have a point about that guy okay, in yeah. my notes, and I just wrote the black guy because I couldn't remember his name. See, I went through the extra five-second <laughs> effort of IMDb. <laughs> um, so, yes, I, I do feel like there there <clears throat> is an aspect of that, which, again, in moderation, I think can be helpful and useful as a means of getting over a tough time, but definitely not a two-year process of running from... Clearly, he's not doing it just to, like, work through some short-term grief. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, PD explains the mark that he underwent the integration procedure, blah, blah, blah. We talked about that. PD also says they are working to dismantling... Right. um, Ambiguous Severance. Right. And... Uh, Mark says, oh, the people protesting. And Pete's like, no, not them. Screw them. Mm. There's another they. Mm. Bigger, more powerful. It'll be interesting to see, like, watch us just pull out into a matrix type of, this is all a simulation, it's all alien run, and there's another alien civilization that's coming. Mm-hmm. Not really. I don't really believe that. Sure. Um, the they, whenever anybody says the they, but especially in this for some reason... But whenever anyone talks about like these underground movements, the first thing I think of is the um, Dennis Leary group from Demo- Demolition Man. <laughs> the people that live underground <laughs> and they're like spray painting stuff. I don't know why. Okay, when Mark goes to work, his sister and brother-in-law drop by and leave a gift for him. This present, a book, is intercepted by Miss Selvig and taken to the severed floor to check for hidden messages. So can we mention how the dialogue from the brother-in-law is either purposefully absurdist or, again, talking about that stylized dialogue purposefully building out? Because he's like, should I? And then he 
sneak up there, and then he wants it to be perfect. Should I lay it up against the door or put it off to the side? No one would talk like that. Well, not only that, it's one of those things that tends to like, it bothers me a little bit where it's like, Mark is Adam Scott, right? Yes. Mark and his sister and the um, new woman at the office are all, what's her name? Healy. Healy are all like pretty normal, relatable characters, right? Everybody else is kind of out there. But his sister, who seems like a very normal, level-headed person, is married to this guy who's totally out there. And it's like, it doesn't bother me that. It bothers me like in theory. It doesn't really bother me in the show. But like he's so over the top lame and like weird it's like and goofy it's like why are you married to this guy that doesn't make a whole lot of sense i want to understand the whole world that he's fit into that's Mm -hmm. what i'm interested in like it's the whole world again it made me think like we talked about last time like the lobster Mm -hmm. you're lanthimos like is the whole world just kind of absurd true yeah so he just fits in which is fine right or is is he am i overthinking i'm just supposed to be laughing at Mm mm-hmm this goofy guy who's just goofy. Yeah. So I guess I didn't realize it was a book that he was dropping off. You didn't realize it was a book. What else is shaped like a book? It's just a, rep- it's just a rectangle. I'm, I don't know. It could have been a board game. I don't know. I wasn't paying that close of attention, I guess. But the thing I wanted to say that was in my notes is that later on in the episode, Milchek, I'm assuming, is reading the book because it's written by the husband. Did you notice that? She she tells Milchick to check it for hidden messages. Okay. Did you notice he was reading it and that it was written by the husband? And it's called Be the You You Are. And it's got a big fat picture of his face on the cover. Uh-huh. And Did I, you notice that? I wanna know why you're you're treating this as like a gotcha. <laughs> you you bait <laughs> because on, you're treating me on. like I was supposed to know it was a book. Exactly. Where it was, it was a wrapped in wrapping paper. This is what you are building from a basis of, <laughs> I didn't know that rectangle was a book. <laughs> Jump to, did you know it was a book? Did you know he wrote it? Did you and know it was written by the husband? Yes, because she brings it to Milchick and she says, here, open this. He opens it and he's like, it's his book. She goes, that's his fifth one. Oh, I didn't read it. I don't remember that scene. And look for hidden messages. <laughs> I thought I was discovering something by yeah, writing exactly, that down. Exactly, <laughs> which is why I'm like, she literally addresses. Well, every I point. missed that scene somehow. Okay. Well, I thought that was interesting. And let me just say one last thing. <laughs> I, I can again. find you a hundred different board games that, if you wrap them in wrapping paper, would look like a book. And I missed the other scene. That's all. That's the only reason. Yeah. I think we're going to find out the micro sleep. <laughs> when she searches the house, Petey recognizes her as Kobol and flees out into the wilderness, hallucinating his surroundings as the hallways of Lumen eventually collapsing at a convenience store. This is the other thing I wanted to say. If I feel like there's a weird, a little bit of a weird disconnect between um, Patricia Arquette being this huge like figurehead and Petey 
not thinking or maybe not knowing that she would live in the neighborhood that Mark lives in. Like if he, he would obviously know that I feel like having worked for Lumen. Why would he know that? Because she's like a huge deal. But he didn't necessarily see her in the neighborhood. But I feel like if he's been un, if he's been integrated integrated, and he knows this whole grand conspiracy, he's going to know what roles these people are playing. Does he know the conspiracy though? I feel like he's been integrated and maybe told to get Mark. But beyond that, I don't get the sense that he knows because when he's trying to convince Mark to integrate, he says, what if you find out, don't you know what you want to do? Right. And then Mark is like, no. He's like, what if you find out that you've just been killing people all day long? I feel like if he knew that would have been the time that he said, listen, here's what's happening. Mm -hmm. I don't think Petey knows. Okay. I I do. I do think Petey knows. Okay. I will say I definitely had the thought of if I was hiding where Petey was hiding, I wouldn't have left that spot. Okay. Always think about that where someone you're hiding from somebody and oh, goes for through somebody's sure. brain to be yeah. like, and then he runs through the basement and upstairs. Yes, no way. Now's my yeah, time no. to to yeah. run. You're right? safe behind the thing they're hiding safe behind. behind the Forget thing. it. Yeah, you just stay, stay there. there, especially when she takes right. a phone call because you know she's probably gonna be leaving. But nope, he says now's the right time for me to go upstairs where I can creak on floorboards <laughs> yeah. and and run out. Probably have some sort of weird episode halfway up the stairs. Halfway up yeah. the stairs <laughs> instead of just staying under this blanket. Yeah. Uh, at the office, Helly learns that a reg- resignation request she submitted to her Audi has been denied. Also, another thing I learned in this third episode is that their Audis were referring to their outside selves. <laughs> but it was just in reference to outside people. Directly addressed <laughs> in episode two again. Sure. Anyway, can I stop here to say uh-huh. another thing that I always think about in, in shows like this or situations like this. What's the vetting process? Like, I love when you watch something like this where it's it's a designed you know, conspiracy or something like that mm-hmm. that involves somebody who refuses to go along with it and it seems to throw everything out of whack. Mm-hmm. And I want to be like, in this universe, in this company, they had to select Healy. Mm-hmm. She went through a process of being selected. So do they not understand the psychology of the people they need mm-hmm. for these departments that poorly that they would say, yeah, get her in. She'll be fine, knowing that she lacks the fundamental psychology to accept <clears throat> this situation, this severed situation. Right. Like, what's the vetting process for that? Because it seems like the board is upset with the performance of the department. Mm-hmm. Healy is obviously upset by the situation. And the response is, just deny her request and keep forcing her to do her work. <laughs> it's not going to work out. Like mm-hmm. you guys created this whole severed situation. <clears throat> you fail to see the the inherent like absurdity of this situation that you've allowed to happen. Yeah. She's I, not going to integrate. I thought about that too, but I also get a feeling a little bit like 
it's par for the course because they don't seem phased by any of it, right? Milchek, especially I think it's in the first or second episode where she's constantly coming in and out of the exit and he's just like, hey, you'll get you'll get used to it. Like he seems but pretty when she runs away, Milchek immediately jumps on the phone and yeah. starts like walking out of the room. Like he obviously is upset by what's happening and the board is obviously upset mm-hmm. with the performance of that department. Um, so yeah, again, I, I kind of keep coming back to, I think that there are plenty of people who, who would willingly like, do this. <laughs> I don't care. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't seem that hard to yeah. kind of pre-select somebody who's like, I literally will not care. Maybe she's a plant from they. Hmm? Well, it seems like she would have written a message. She's trying. Her Audi's doing a horrible job of, <laughs> of commit, especially when her Audi gets a uh, gets a request. Unless it never makes it to the Audi, unless they just deny everything. Oh, the, uh, yeah. The other thing, do you think because Mark tells her when you go through the elevator or whatever, they have some technology that picks up on every single thing word that's in there. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's true? Or do you think that's something that he's just been told and believes? Um, I mean, he seems pretty clear that he understands that something can be removed from your body, which made me think like, has he had something removed from his body? But then just told, he finds the map in the picture. But the map never tried to go out or in. The map is going to get out. No, no, no. But, but what I'm saying is it would have never gotten caught because it was all developed inside that office. Right. But but right. But my point is like he's going to take that map out. So either he do you so either he I guess believes what he's telling her or he's just telling her that I don't think he just has to get her point. to not do it. I think I think if you're predicting that he's going to try and get out of the office, fine, I can go along with that. But I don't get any sense in this episode that he is planning on on smuggling it out. He what? Of course, he's keeping it there for future use and reference. But I and I think that's that's part of the seeds that's going to sow this kind of what's going to happen in the future. But is he necessarily going to try and sneak it out? I don't I don't get that. Okay. Uh, she attempts to get it out. Blah, Can you blah, say blah. something right this episode? <laughs> just Irving. Oh, I have a I have a take on Irving. Who's Irving? Irving's Tutoro. Okay. My my is that his first name or his last name? Good question. Don't know. <laughs> Don't know. Uh, but my feeling on Irving. Uh huh. Fake accent. <laughs> what accent does he have? He has this kind of like he tries to talk like a gentleman, and mm, mm-hmm. uses like very restrained almost. Yes, yeah. And um, you know, my feeling is, if it to me makes sense that his any, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's where, but his any <laughs> mm-hmm. is aspirational to the, you know, to trying to connect with the larger purpose of this company that he doesn't understand. But he wants to put forward this very refined, you know, kind of persona. And his Audi could have just like a Boston accent, you know, just like talking like an everyday Joe, 
Okay. But his innie mm-hmm. is, again, trying to adopt this kind of... So he's gone, like, full-on disconnect. Like, it's just completely different person. Right. Yeah, I think, again, because I think this is exploring where these people find their meaning in their work and mm-hmm. is, is this, again, this idea of what aspirational... Mm-hmm. Uh, of, of what an aspirational mm-hmm. person would be like. Right. Uh, Perpetuity ring, wing, right? Healy mm-hmm. is upset. She storms into the bathroom. Mark comes in. She tries to write a half message <laughs> on both her arms, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, which, which, wait, what did it say? That I don't was want, great, yeah. I can't remember. Don't want to be here. No, it's, it's like, yeah. yeah. Help me or something? Yeah. Uh, Irving believes her rebellious nature may exist because she does not understand the meaning of working at Lumen and suggests to bring her to the perpetuity wing. Museum-like complex, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Heli- you, can't, you can't blah, 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 blah what happens on the way. A museum-like complex detailing the history of the Egan dynasty, the founders and CEOs of Lumen. You're skipping an important it, I'm not scene. done yet. Heli manages to sneak away and See. attempts to exit through the stairwell by smashing the door window, but Mark stops her. You've blasted by very. Yeah, I'm reading scene. the Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying let's pause here. Okay, what's the scene where he runs into Christopher Walken? Exactly. Okay. So you you have them going through the. So first off, uh, Mark tries to go get approval to take them to the perpetuity wing, mm-hmm. which gets denied basically by what's your name again? By Patricia Selvig. Patricia. Yeah, mm-hmm. who throws her mug at him, and then says, right. that, says that cryptic thing where she's like, "I would not have done that if I did not think that you could grow from it." Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope you take this as a learning opportunity. Which, again, to me seems like standard speak for any abusive manager, right? Who just says like, "It's not that I'm being cruel; it's that I'm preparing you." Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. It's like, no, you're just. <laughs> He's just an asshole, He's yeah. Just an asshole. Um, so number one, you have that, but then you have them bumping into the other department, which now I forget what their department's name is. Yeah. Zach is hostile and Irving is a little odd. Um seemingly there's there's a deeper Zach Cherry as Dylan. His name's Dylan. Dylan. So Dylan is outright hostile. Irving is a little odd and you have them doing like a team building egg drop challenge that they've cleaned up. And the other thing that I think we got from that scene is that that uh, Christopher Walken's department is two people, right? It's him and her. Mm-hmm. So like their team building was just, <laughs> I really, I like that. Idea. Yeah. Doing an egg drop challenge. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah. And you, and you find out that, Historically, there was at least rumors of an up, like a bloody uprising. Right, it gives you the feeling that these are almost like gangs. They're, mm-hmm. they're treated um, as like they have their own turf. They had to be separated. And Mark pushes back on the idea that there was a bloody coup uprising. Mm-hmm. That that's all just you know um, legend, mm-hmm. lore, lore. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, yeah, I definitely, it tracks from what I've seen. Now we can go on to the museum. Uh, that's it for the museum. Grainer exits her to the break room where she is forced. So in the museum, they look at statues of the founder. Right, but 
And then you have the mythology surrounding all these people, which again, falls in line with. And to me, I go back to uh, apparently the show about Elizabeth Holmes is out now too on, on Hulu, uh-huh. the, the dropout. But you have, again, systems critiquing themselves that then just perpetuate the system it's critiquing. Yeah. Which is this individual hero worship Mm -hmm. that really the idea is we are about this company or this company is about XYZ bringing happiness through high fructose corn syrup Mm -hmm. liquid, or we are about connecting people through Facebook, you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, so I believe in the mission of this company, not in the person, Mm -hmm. but what do we as a society and even in the companies who gets the attention and the adoration? It's not the mission statement of the company. Mm-hmm. It's always the person. Right. So like um, uh, Elon Musk. Right. And Mark Zuckerberg. And well, and Yeah, but again, I would say in the company, though. Yeah, for sure. Like in Facebook, if you go to like a Facebook retreat, I can can guarantee that if Mark Zuckerberg comes out, you're going to see people being Mm -hmm. "Ah," (laughs) and And they could give two shits about what is Facebook trying to do? You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, no, Mark, right? Mm -hmm. And who is, um, why am I forgetting Apple? Tim Cook or Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's all these people that then allow for Elizabeth Holmes's to happen, mm-hmm. that allow for all of these, um, the the WeWork guy, mm-hmm. you know it it's it's cults that just re-implement themselves in a in a business corporate environment. Yeah, it's the same psychology, right? Mm-hmm. It's just the business has something of structure beneath it, whereas the, the cult will just endlessly be that person, whoever's leading it. Right. You know? Well, the business makes billions of dollars and the cult, it, you end up killing yourself. Right. <laughs> but, but, the, but the focus is still the same. Yeah. And so that's what you see in Lumen is like, again, you have all these people and Irving finds it easy to disconnect from the purpose of Lumen. Mm-hmm. He couldn't articulate what Lumen does but he believes in it so fervently because he believes in these people mm-hmm. that again he hasn't met. Right. Okay. Uh, Grainer brings her to the break room where she is forced by uh, Milchik to repeatedly recite the same ap- apologetic passage. While Koble watches, while Koble watches for fun. Who's Koble? I think it's Patricia Arquette. You think you might just be? I thought her name was Selvig. Yeah, but. Uh, after his shift, Mark notices ambulance traffic and follows them to the convenience store to see Petey being taken by emergency personnel after his breathing stops. We, we also, I wanted to talk briefly about the PR lady who we see giving an interview where she's being grilled about severing and then shows up in Patricia Arquette's office. And facilitates oh, the meeting right. mm-hmm. with, which again, I think is a great small little picture mm-hmm. of PR. You know, it's it's exactly how I feel about Jen 
Sasky or Joe Biden, the, the mm-hmm. White House. The press secretary. The, mm-hmm. the, the press secretary where it's just like, it doesn't matter who. I don't know. I would love to see an administration that I fully believe in, mm-hmm. that I'm proud to be a president, because I have a feeling that the press secretary would still be a slime ball. <laughs> right. I just don't know that you can't not <laughs> right. be yeah. a greasy. By its nature. Yeah. By its nature, you just have to be, because you you have to be willing to stand up there and just say whatever someone else told you to say. Yeah, for and sure. And make that sound like you're not the crazy. I'm not the crazy one for just saying something that somebody told me you're the crazy ones yeah for trying to question it yeah how exactly. dare you right yeah how dare you not just accept what i'm telling you just accept it i'm, I'm telling it to you so just accept it so what's the problem <laughs> uh yeah. i do it i've accepted it yeah and look i'm fine right. i'm great yeah i love i'm the, the press secretary the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you just accepted more maybe you could be me yeah that was a great scene um Okay, so Petey, um, is Petey dead? Is Petey dead? We see him collapse at the end. We see him collapse, and I took one note that said, is Petey dead? His fall was whack for a dead guy fall. Hold on. If he's trying to remember. completely dead, it's the worst. He does a flip on his limpest. back, Limpest. Right? Yeah, it's like he like sl- crumbles in slow motion, right? It's like if he were dead, I would expect a just straight-up slap on the ground. I don't know what movie it was that I was watching, but I remember there are, there are moments in film, <laughs> some of the most shocking moments in film, is when they portray something accurately. Mm-hmm. I remember that with one movie where somebody literally fell dead, mm-hmm. but it like showed them like break their nose and like crack some teeth. I remember, yeah. like, oh, sh-. <laughs> right. like, oh yeah, that's that's how a fall would have, yeah. would, would happen. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Or I remember like this is a lesser example, but in Out of Sight, where the guy's running mm-hmm. up the. Um, stares with the gun mm-hmm. and falls and shoots himself in his own head. <laughs> and I remember that like Soderbergh makes it very graphic. Uh-huh. It's like, I think by that time I'd seen people in movies accidentally shoot themselves. Right. But you usually don't get to see like <laughs> the brain splatter. It's just like, Oh, that's it. That's what it looked yeah. like. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. I would say he was dead if it weren't for the fall. Okay, I'll the agree fall makes me think he's alive. I think that he's alive too. I also think that he's alive because there's too much yeah. that he still has to do in the narrative. Yeah, like if he is in a, if he's in a hospital, Mark's going to try and see him. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's going to get stopped from seeing Petey, and then he's going to start thinking more about what Pete like. Now the question is, how do you validate what Petey was saying to Mark, mm-hmm. narrative-wise? Mm-hmm. And you, you make Petey alive, and you restrict Mark's access to Petey, right. which then makes Mark think there's more validation to Well, Petey's it could saying. be the cell phone. But also, putting Petey in the hospital makes him like a target for like, now Lumen knows where he's at. Yeah. And I also really liked all the... Regardless of how Petey got to wandering, I like the wandering. Yeah. I like the way they were shot. Sure, yeah. Going yeah. through the corridors mm-hmm. and being like 
I thought I thought all that was done well. Yeah. Uh, Mark hurries home and begins to remove traces of Petey's stay, but is interrupted when his cell phone hit when his when it should, this should say, but Petey's. is interrupted when Petey's cell phone left behind when he fled rings. The end. Yeah. Great episode. Um, had a couple... Old phone, right? Flip phone. Yeah, I think so. Uh, a couple of stray observations. I thought Adam Scott, back to looking like normal Adam Scott, right? Irving says he's looking trim. I guess so. There's just something about that first episode. I don't know if it was like an excess of makeup or something. I don't know. It just looks strange, but looked normal to me in the second episode, or maybe I've just gotten used to it. Third episode. Third episode. Um, the theme song, the theme music. Oh, I wanted to talk about the opening credits. Too. There is something, there's a section in that theme, in that theme that is directly pulled from something else, Right. That's like you. What would you do last time? You threw some. Oh, Adam Scott's cry was bad. It was bad. No, no, but that's what I'm saying. That part? No. Not that part. Okay. Julia says it's from a Coldplay song, but it's not a Coldplay song. And to me, it feels like it's a direct, like, interpolation of something else. Like, pretty direct. This part. Doesn't that sound like it's from something else? Yeah, I mean, because it's a simple melody. So, I mean... I don't think so. I think it's from something directly. Like, it's lifted from something. I feel like we're on the cusp of you having a PD episode. (laughs) Flash forward six months, and you're like, da-na-na-na, I come in. There's a yarn wall over here. Uh Different sounds that it could be. Um, Yeah, I'll think about it. And I never went back and looked at his cry, so I can't confirm. Or deny whether his cry was bad. It's a little weak. Um, and then I have one non-related thing I wanted to touch on. Okay. Are we done? That's it. That's all I've got. Excited for the next episode. Yeah, it's great. I like it a lot um, so far. And I think it does speak to the benefit of going week by week. You know, it is frustrating as a viewer who's been given access to full right. seasons but i think that you empirically can say that in terms of the impact of a show it's better stretched out and even though it might frustrate somebody who's used to getting more mm-hmm. that making somebody sit with it it's just going to be better for the show better for the conversation <laughs> the ideas about the show mm-hmm. yeah definitely i i it I mean, I, I guess I see it both ways because I feel like, first of all, it's a something, it's, it's just so trivial to like argue over, you know what I mean? It's just a fucking TV show. And it's like, I, I get there's like an immediate gratification of watching everything over this course of two or three days, right? Also, though, I think critically, was it David Simon, maybe, who was kind of pushing back on the week to week 
criticism because yeah, he doesn't like the week to week. Right, because by the end of the series, the stuff that you were complaining about before could have been answered, and it just was not the right time for it. Oh. So it's like by watching everything all at once, you've got a better understanding of what the big picture was, and your some of your issues with the first couple episodes may not be relevant because it just wasn't the right time to address that stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> but I think if you try and have conversations like I think we try and have that sure it's, it's fine I do think yeah if you're trying to critique it yeah how can you you haven't seen the whole thing mm-hmm. so but that's different yeah okay this is not what I wanted to talk about uh-huh but I'll just mention this I am going to the dentist on Monday okay for any particular reason or just a checkup a very specific reason okay number one my teeth don't want to be in my mouth. <laughs> They've never wanted to be in my mouth. Uh-huh. And I don't know how to make them stay. Yeah. With that being said, I was eating two days ago. I was at home uh-huh. eating a granola bar. Okay. A chewy. So not the hard kind. Not the hard. Uh-huh. Bit into it. Chomped it. Went for a second chomp, something crunched, and I chewed through it. I have had (laughs) Uh like hard peanuts or nuts. Sure, yeah, yeah. it's a granola bar. Yeah, it's a granola bar. Then I did a third one. (laughs) Yeah, I ended up swallowing. Uh-huh. That that mouthful, but there were parts like I I found some of the hard stuff uh-huh. still there. So I kind of uh, got with my tongue, pulled it out, um, and I was like, "That looks like tooth." Mm-hmm. And it was sure enough. My molar mm. now has a huge chunk Ugh. missing, mm-hmm. and I ate part of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're not shocked, so. I, I busted this part of my tooth. No, no, no. But, but And I swallowed it. Okay, yeah. See, my, my question is, I'm now left feeling like, why did I keep chew- I ate my own tooth. Yeah, you feel right. It made me feel like an animal. Like I mean, maybe if you were eating like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how that would work. I, maybe if you're eating something like Jello or something, right. it's like, yeah, this sh- the hard thing should not be in my Jello. And you don't keep chewing when you feel right. the hard thing. Yeah, but I'm it's pretty normal bar. in a granola okay. bar. That makes me feel better because it's a big chunk missing. I was like, I really chomped my tooth. I, I, I mean, it. it wasn't painful. I feel like that would be painful because when I chipped even this little bit, it was in. Insanely painful. Really? Yes. So two things. Well, Number part one. of it is that I hit it oh. and it broke. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. So maybe that's it. But well, I don't know. No, like I said, my teeth hate me. I've had work done. <clears throat> Excuse me. When's the last time you've been to the dentist? Only like a year and a half ago mm. where I went, I had to go get a root canal, a crown. So do you go regularly or you just go like something's up, I need to go to the dentist? I've been going regularly since I turned forty. <coughs> uh-huh. Um wait a minute, since you forty, so like what, six months ago? No, it was, it was <laughs> no, it was it was around there, right? Okay. Like when I was eyeing forty, I was like, Okay, I need okay, okay. And and whenever I have issues, 
I'm very quick to respond. Okay. I'm not somebody who, like, with this, uh-huh. I immediately called the dentist. I was like, I have to get this taken care of, even though there's no pain. So, um, well, yeah, for sure. Now, if you ask me, what like what was the root canal done on? Uh-huh. I think it was that tooth. Mm. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And and what is a root canal? They like hollow out your tooth. So oh. you have no like. But then feeling. they like backfill it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So pull the root out, and then you put a crown. I on did it. not realize they pull the root out. Yeah. But I will also say, having gotten a root canal, it was a very pleasant experience. It was well, not bad. Right, because you're like under anesthesia or whatever, right? I, no, I was awake. But they numb you up or something. Of course they numb you <laughs> up. But you know, I remember hearing so many people being like, root canal, it's there. Like, it, it, yeah. it, was a, it was a classic thing. Of sure. like, you need a root canal? Oh, boy. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, crap. And I got a root canal. I was like. It was great. Yeah. (laughs) It was great. And I was doubly insured at the time, so it didn't cost me anything. There you go. Anyway. Okay. That's my tooth story. So next time, and I use these times, like, I have an issue, I immediately deal with it and deal with everything. Like, if they find something out, I'm getting that done. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm taking care of everything. Mm -hmm. It surprises me that there are some people who will sometimes even go in and be like, I have to get three things done. I'm going to do two and not yeah. the third. It's like, yes. no, I do. Do it all at every once. Yeah. Okay. The other thing, the only other thing I want to mention, you brought it up to me and I need some more time with this. Mm-hmm. Indiana Jones five. <laughs> uh-huh. And you were like, wager, right? Right. On this podcast before, we did one for Indiana Jones 4. Was it? I don't think we did. Well, see, here's the thing. We got all the way to, we were going to have to eat one of those gross popsicles. No, that had to be for something different. Because Indiana Jones 4 was way before the podcast, I believe. Was it? Because I remember seeing a movie poster for that when I lived in Arizona. It was a Spielberg movie, though. 2008 is when it came out. Whoa, really? Mm -hmm. But it was a Spielberg movie, I thought, that we did Mm -hmm. a wager on. Oh, I don't remember. Maybe it was. Okay. But it was not Indiana Jones 4. Okay. Well, whatever. The Um, wager we made on Indiana Jones 4 was, you said the movie was going to be good. I said it was going to be bad. And if it was bad... You would Okey have dokey. to admit that Spielberg was not a good director. And it was bad, and you've never admitted it. So <laughs> I, I feel like I have a, an idea of what, what this should be a, a bet for on. Okay. Um. So we should say that this one's not being directed by Spielberg. It's being directed by the guy that did Casino Royale. No. Yes. No. Wrong. What's his name? I thought it was James Mangold. Yeah. Didn't he do Casino Royale? No. Casino Royale was done by Martin Campbell. Oh, Martin Campbell. That's right. James Mangold, didn't he make that boring Irish movie about Irish people? Oof. Right? Uh, I I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm going to say no. 
He did do, uh, anyway, he did Logan. Okay. But here's what I'm saying. I need a little. What world am I thinking of? I don't know. I need a little more time with this one because I honestly, I think I heard like, oh, it's being made, but then I forgot about it. And now here it is. He directed Call of the Wild. Oh, James Mangold did? It's on his list. As a producer, as a director. Uh, I don't know. Here, I have it up here. Director. But He's anyway, this is, the, this is the stuff that I'm gonna that I'm gonna be dealing with to decide. Okay. So Ford versus Ferrari. Uh-huh. Um, did you see that? Yeah, I did. And you liked it? Yeah, it was good. I'm not a big like car movie guy. Right. And I was disappointed to see like Michael Mann's new film is going to be Ferrari, like about uh-huh. Ferrari. Yeah, which cars are boring. Exactly. Cars suck. Uh, he made Logan, um, the 310 to Yuma remake, which I like. Ooh, he made Identity. Remember that? In oh, college? yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Copland, Girl Interrupted, Walk the Line. Blah. Um, anyway, I need to look into the cast and all that other stuff. Uh-huh. So, but. I did see something that I thought that's what we could wager on. Well, let me say this. This is my take on Indiana Jones 5. Sight unseen. Don't know anything about it. Don't know the plot, no trailer, nothing. This is what I'll say. Nope, this is what I'll say. I'll say it will be a movie that is completely competent, not good, not bad, solidly competent movie that people will act like is amazing because it's not terrible. Okay. That's what I think Indiana Jones 5 will be. Okay. If we want to wager about this or anything else, I think this is what we should wager. Mm-hmm. So recently, I have, in various YouTube rabbit holes, mm-hmm. I've fallen into um, carpentry. YouTube's. Okay. Tile coach? <laughs> no, he's not carpentry. He's like house the whole picture. He lays tile. Like, That's yeah, carpentry? Tile. That's not. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, I saw a recommended video that was like a tutorial on how to whittle. It was like easy to do yourself. That's not carpentry. That's hold on, woodworking. Hold on. Hold on. Uh-huh. <laughs> whittle uh-huh. like a squirrel. Okay. <laughs> is this Blair's channel? <laughs> yeah. And, and it was like literally like. <laughs> I forget what the title was, but it made me feel like they're saying, hey, dummy, you got some free time? Just <laughs> yeah. whittle a squirrel. Right. Here, I'll show you in this brief little short video. And I was like, whoever loses needs to do one of these, like, whittle projects. Oh, okay. And then display it in their home in a prominent place Okay, for, like, all time. So you're, but we're not doing it on Indiana Jones, or we're waiting to do it until you know more about. Let the movie. me let, let me know where I where I consider. But if we want to do something, then we find a whittle, uh, uh, an intro whittle, okay, whittle project. No, you can't. You loser. just have to watch the squirrel one and do that. Well, yeah, yeah, that, that one or whatever, and then you have to whittle it, and okay. whatever godforsaken thing you're left with, then becomes like center. Like I'm not. Like up there isn't even good. Like it needs to be. Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, I'm not gonna be allowed that's to what do I'm that. I'm saying it needs to be. 
like obtrusively center uh-huh. of your living space. Okay. For like a week or something. And then it can be put wherever, but it has to be in the house. For all time. <laughs> Listen, I might negotiate on on a limited time and then it can go wherever, but I need the winner needs to experience some social gathering where that thing is is recognizably okay. center while other people are all right okay deal well almost a deal we'll see if you're too afraid.